It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this election day edition of Peak to Pit. I promise you we won't actually talk politics, but today is election day. We also have a lot of big college football games coming up this weekend, including the one we've been talking about. It feels like for months, Florida, Georgia. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. It's super exciting. Um, there are a lot of really good games this weekend. Like you just mentioned, the cocktail party, Notre Dame Clemson plays this weekend. Um, there's some fun stuff happening. And uh, there's football every night this week. There's football tomorrow. There's football, obviously, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then again on Monday. Uh, And then, like you said, there's plenty of entertainment for people, no matter kind of where you fall tonight. So uh, it's a fun week for sure. It's probably an intense week for a lot of people. It's a nervous week, but I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it, it's there's a lot of stressful things going on this week. I don't know that I ever want the election, Halloween, and the time change to all happen in the same week. Throw Florida Georgia in that too, and I am just a ball of anxiety all week long. Hey, so um, Bryant has slept through the night the last two nights for like I the hate first. You. I literally hate <laughs> so you. So like this week, like I don't care who wins, what games, what poll, like. Slept through the night the first two. Like, it's been great. So we dream feed him at like midnight. Well, between like 11 and midnight, depending on like what games are on and what's going on there. Um, but yeah, like the, like yesterday we woke up and we we're like, oh my God, is he okay? And he was fine. So he's done that last two nights. Knock on wood that that keeps going. Great. Um, we'll be yeah, one that's... on Friday and we ha- still don't sleep through the night. And I think they've each had like one night ever their whole lives where they've done that. And now we're oh, just Brian's up at like 5.30 in him. the morning. So fabulous. El- Elena's been getting up early this week, both days or all three days since the time change. Um, but she's crawled into bed with us and like slept for like an hour there. I think just because it's so dark and we're super quiet. So hopefully that continues. I don't know that people really care about how our kids are sleeping. So uh, what they do care about is coaches starting fights. Um, so – uh, so Florida beat Missouri this weekend game started kind of slow, uh, but the defense looked really, really good. Um, much better than they have for sure. Yeah. Missouri certainly is not a juggernaut on offense and is, is probably the worst offense that Florida has played this year. But at the same time, the defense still looked much, much better compared to, you know, how they had looked the first three games, four games. I don't know how many guys have played, but Looked much, much better. Offense kind of was slow getting going, which is not typical um, of Florida's offense. They've started games really, really well and then kind of cooled off in the second half. Um, but Florida's offense got it going. Missouri really didn't look like they ever really had a chance in this game, even when they kind of got up early because of a a pick six. Um, Florida kind of dominated, rolled to victory. Kendarius Tony looked really, really good. Um, and then things kind of got wild at, at halftime and after the game, or not really after the game, but at halftime and mm-hmm. um, everybody kind of came out unscathed though. Like it, it didn't end up being, it all kind of Yeah, over. you know, um, 
we we obviously talked about this while it was going on and had shocker a little bit of a different take on it. I don't think that that hit was malicious. I don't know that you need it to be malicious to be a dirty hit. I think that by definition, hits that happen after the whistle are dirty plays. Um, I don't think that that meant that, that you know it was necessarily his intent to hurt Kyle Trask, um, but. I mean, it was, it was a big hit. It was a big hit after the whistle. And when you are the opposing team, you're going to assume, um, malintent, I think on the person delivering the, the hit. And I think that Florida was pissed. I do think that there's a possibility that Dan Mullen capitalized on that situation in his mind, maybe a little bit more than he would have. I don't know if you paid how close attention you paid to this game. But in the very beginning, um, the first half, they kept talking about how this team seems a little bit slow. They seem like there's not that much enthusiasm, you know, on third down, it looks like they're struggling a little bit. Is this because they haven't been in practice for two weeks? Like they just kind of seem a little bit lethargic. The announcer said it over and over and over again. So I, I, I don't think that Dan Mullen created this situation to, to, uh, you know, inspire his team. But I think that there's a chance he capitalized on it a little bit more than maybe he would have if the situation surrounding had been slightly different. I don't know if you saw him run back out of the tunnel after he, you know, had his talk with the Missouri coach and the refs and whatever else he ran back out and he was waving his arms to the crowd and pumping them up and trying to get him into it. Like Dan Mullen is known to do that when he wants a momentum change. He did that. Um, when Florida played LSU, his first year, as head coach, it was in the swamp. We were there. Um, they, and he ran out of the team, out of the tunnel and ran around the entire field, pumping up the crowd. He does it when he wants this, the momentum on his side. And so I do honestly think there's a possibility that he intentionally got hotter than, you know, or appeared hotter than he normally would have to kind of inspire his team. I don't think, I don't know. I think it's kind of silly. He was fined. I know that recruits liked it. I um, follow some recruits on Twitter who are like, you know, that's my coach. How would you not want to play with that? I think that anybody that played college football probably feels that way. I think lots of people that didn't play college football probably thinks that he's a heathen. Um, but, you know, I'm cool with it. He'll pay his $25,000, whatever, um, and move on. And I think that the uh, points he earned with his team are worth the twenty five grand. Yeah, so I I guess it's all in kind of how you define the word dirty hit. So like when I think of dirty, I think of more of the malicious side of things. I don't think it was malicious for a couple of reasons. Like I said, it, we talked about off air. Like he didn't lower his helmet. He didn't drive him into the ground. He didn't extend his arms. It was certainly a late hit, um, but kind of like we talked about, you know, 15 years ago, that I mean, it should have been called a penalty, but 15 years ago, we're not even talking about it, whether or not that should be a penalty. And so if your definition of dirty has changed over the last 15 years, then, you know, yes. But I mean, we wouldn't have called that a dirty hit, like I said, 15 years ago. They, I mean, we wouldn't even have been asking for them to call it. Mullen doesn't even get hot about it. It's just a play to the echo of the whistle, right? So that I, I don't really have as much of a issue with the actual hit. I really don't have a problem with what Mullen did either. I can see both sides of the fact that he got higher than he should have and his reaction was uncalled for, but I don't care. Like I I mean, I don't I also understand like the side of defending your players. I think there are other ways that you can potentially rile up your team and defend your players. And by that time it was a two score game anyway that Florida wasn't gonna lose. So I, I don't know how much they needed that but whatever i mean that's fine that's his decision and that's totally fine so i can see both sides of it and that's kind of where i fall is some i mean like now i'm totally good with like trolling on twitter and trying to get people riled up which is pretty sure. easy to do because nobody right. fights for you know dan mullen harder than like dan thompson and, and the gator gang on twitter but it probably falls somewhere in the in the middle he probably didn't need to go as outrageous as he did but he did, and that's fine. You know, that was his decision to make it. His, uh, that's totally cool. Like, I don't really have an issue with it, and you know, it probably wasn't. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, people are saying like it was uncalled for. Well, it also wasn't called for. Like, it wasn't like a this has to happen. No. So it probably is just somewhere in the middle of that. I, I think if um, they had blown the whistle 
on that play, none of this happens. That should have been called a late hit. If I understand it was as time expires going into the half, but if that happens, then you just have one untimed down. Um, I think if that gets called, that what happens at halftime is completely avoided. And again, I don't think that it was malicious. I think it was a dirty play. We, you know, we have different opinion on what that is. Or dirt, I think it was a dirty hit. I think it was a late hit. I don't think he was trying to take Tess' knees out or anything like that. It wasn't targeting, um, but it was a big hit. You throw a flag on that play, nothing else happens moving forward. I think that it's almost like you felt like these players felt like they should have been called. And so it was then their job to defend their player if the ref wasn't going to. But I think that this is all much, much to do about nothing, essentially. Like, I don't think this is a big deal. I don't really have a problem with little scrums like this. Um, I think it's dumb to take swings when you have a helmet on just because you're going to end up with a broken fist, not a broken face. Um but this is part of college football. And I think that that's something that sometimes fans have a hard time wrapping their head around, but you can't ask these guys to be these big muscular testosterone filled guys that then don't get upset when things like this happen. That just, that just, there's no logic in that. You want these people to be big, bad and angry when the play is going on. And then you're shocked and appalled when it happens, when the play is over, like, I don't really feel like you can have it both ways. I don't think it's a huge deal. That's my coach. I, I, if I'm a player, I'm pumped that you defended me like that. Let's move on. I don't think, I don't think it's a thing. It helps when it's your, it certainly helps when it's your coach. There are other coaches that, you know, like if this would have been Drigwitz on the other side, we'd, we'd have different Uh classless, classless, classless. (laughs) Yeah. So like, you know, the one, the one thing I do, the one thing that Mullen has to do with it, in my opinion, is basically go in the locker room and say, do as I say, not as I do. Like, it's, sure. it's okay for me to do that, but you guys can't, well, you can't know, ever he go said and do that. And so that's, players, well, I want them so, to defend each other. So, I, I, you know. Yeah, but you don't want to take it. You don't want him taking swings at guys. You don't want them charging officials when they're mad. So, like, he has to go and say, do as I say, not as I do. Right? Like, yeah. and that's well, fine. He, I, I said that to him all anybody. The time. And I, I say that to Elena, but you can't charge a ref. You can't charge on the, I, I tell don't think Elena, he charged a ref. Tonight. I think he's looking for the white hat and he's, you know, oh, he, he sprinted at the ref. Like, come on. Like we're not, but again, I think you have to say that was okay for me to do. It's not okay for you to do. Right. Cause the, otherwise, I mean, is it okay for the players to go do that now? You know, obviously not, you know? Right. Right. So, um, but again, I don't have a problem with what he did. I think he just has to, you know, I also would like to note that people like Dan Walken who are saying that, you know, how dare Dan Mullen come out in a Darth Vader costume uh, uh, for his press conference. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, please lighten up. The game was on Halloween. It's, uh, you know, and I saw so many people saying, like, is he calling himself the villain of college football? Please. It's like, do you really think that, that that much thought went into that? I bet that costume was lying around the house and he was like, huh, this will be amusing. I, if you know Dan Mullen at all, he that's his personality. He's he's I just think that was way blown out of proportion as well. I, I think so, too. But I also think that at the same time, Dan Mullen the costume thing is completely stupid. Like I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, what I do think is that Dan Mullen continues week after week after week to be in the news for non-football related things. And it's, it's not anywhere near like how Dabo is at times, but it's like, He's almost well, baby Dabo this season. Like everything that could happen. And I'm not saying Mullen's been wrong about any of it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that he's the only coach that, and that's why. It but do you know who else like, used to be like that it, a lot? Spurrier. And I think that Mullen tries to be baby Spurrier yeah, it's, it's, more so but it's, than. But it's, but here, and I'm going back on this. It is completely different with today's social media uh, and what? the way that things For get sure. up. But and who so, knows what it would have been like if Spurrier here, was coaching today. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. Like, it, who knows what anything would have been like if social media was like yeah. present back in like the '90s when guys were like fighting on Bourbon Street, you know? And so, um, you know, yeah. Like, obviously, much different there. But because Mullen makes the comments at Texas A and M about the crowd, makes the comments about wanting to pack the swamp, gets the COVID, gets you know, has all the has the things with the refs, gets fined twenty. It gives people like. 
Dan Woken and all of these different beat Ammo. writers and everything else, Somebody the opportunity to yeah. say something. No, if Kirby Smart comes out and says something stupid on Saturday, it's a one-off. If Dan right. Mullen does it, it's now his fifth time oh. in the media over the last month and a half. And so sure. when 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 Dabo comes out and says something stupid once a year, it nothing that he says is that big of a deal. And if any other coach just said it as a one-off, it wouldn't be a big deal. But because of Dabo's stupid track record of saying continuously stupid things. And again, I'm not even saying that anything Mullen has said is that bad or done is that bad, but he just continues to put himself in the middle of. So like, the difference between Dabo. To say one more thing. Yeah, I'm not saying they're the same. I, I, before well, you defend I him. Gonna, no, I wasn't no, about to defend him. What I was about to say <laughs> is the difference between the two is that Dabo, Dabo has won. And so I think you get a lot more leniency to say whatever you think or dumb things or whatever else when you, bring home national championships. I think, um, you know, your leash gets longer the more that you win, right? And Dan Mullen hasn't gotten over the hump. And I think maybe that's even part of this because it's like, look at you, you haven't even won anything and you're running your mouth. Um, but I do, I, I do honestly think that he models himself a little bit after Spurrier. I, I, I can remember years ago, Spurrier talking about like, well, if they're talking about you, they're not nitpicking the individuals on your team. And I'm not saying that 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 this was any strategy on Dan Mullen's part at all, but there is some truth to that. You're not necessarily worrying about, you know, player A or B said X, Y, Z because it's Dan Mullen's name in the news. And Dan Mullen is more equipped to handle that than his 18 year old players. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. But at the same time, like. You know, they're. I mean, there's a way to do it with nobody's in the news. I get it, but yeah, they're unde- they're undefeated, and if they if they they control their own destiny for a playoff spot. So, like, sure. what criticism is there out there of 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 Florida? <laughs> you know, like they're a four point dog to a team that's beat them three years in a row, and that yeah, everyone's then picking they beat like you know? eighty seven oh, billion times before that. I mean, they were like twenty two of twenty six the years before that. Right. Or my point so. my point wasn't. Yeah, my I point know. wasn't. I'm, that my point was that they're in really Georgia good shape. Forget right about now. that. Like, they forget about what, what happened is, previous to the last three years. My point is more Florida's in a good spot. That wasn't sure. really the crap. On no, no, no. Like, I know. They're only no, I know. a four point dog after losing several years in a row. Everybody picking against them, you know. And so I don't. What's he, what's he got? To I defend? honestly, I what's think the, Florida is sitting. Uh, Pretty. I mean, yeah, but even if you are like, I, I think back to Eric's 2006 season, this is a team that lost one game to Auburn, a close game, and then won everything else. And they constantly were getting nitpicked at. I mean, they were one of the, the very top teams in the country and you constantly heard about what wasn't good enough on that team. So I don't, I don't think that just because you are sitting pretty for a potential playoff spot or conference championship or whatever else you control your own destiny. It means that you are not getting criticized. Do you think Florida is getting criticized with any kind of regularity at this point? Um, Outside I, their own fan base. I mean, the defense I, well, maybe, but like I high, do, you know, Trask, but and, Trask and Pitts are both in like the top 10 or 15 for Heisman. I, like what is I the, don't think what's that the criticism any criticism that's happening isn't warranted. I will say that. I think that there is some criticism, but I, I would say the difference between like this and 2006 is that I think this team, there are holes, there are deficiencies that they're working on, but it's just a blanket statement in general. Your team is never, uh, not, you know, not open for criticism. It really doesn't matter if you are undefeated or not. There are going to be people out there. I think that it's, I think that Mullen would rather himself be the, in the news than his players. It's again, I'm not saying that's the strategy, but I think in general, that is his overall belief. Um, but I don't think any of the things that Dan Mullen has said have been that stupid either. So I don't know if that's just because I'm a Gator fan or because I have a higher tolerance for shenanigans. I don't really know, but None of them are particularly offensive to me. Probably a little bit of both. I don't Um, think you could be married to a college football player and not be okay with lots of shenanigans. (laughs) I don't think there's anything. um, I don't, again, I I even started by saying this. I don't think anything he's done is necessarily wrong. It's just made headlines. I agree that the stadium should be, yeah, it is 100% that, you know, Everything he says now is going to be scrutinized. And sure, again, sure. he models himself after Spurrier, but in 2020, you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> like everything yeah. is so yeah. PC. Everything is so you've got to do this, you got to do that. And so I don't know. It's just a different time. Um, since we're kind of on this, I, I know we said, well, this is super divisive, but I guess we can get into it because of 
where we are, like what week it is. Um, people are obviously very split about this. Um, but red versus blue in Jacksonville on Saturday is a big uh, topic that no matter how much it upsets people, I think we should talk about. So uh, hopefully I threw you for a little loop there. Um, I mean, <laughs> I could just hear your voice like the nervous the blue. <laughs> the I nervous can't wait. laughter, the nervous laughter that was coming with like every literally there. Uh, so the cocktail party. I had that find out all week. I wrote that joke down. Uh, cocktail party this weekend in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think either Florida or Georgia are playing their best football right now. Um, you know, Florida looked a little shaky on offense to start the game. Looks really good on defense again. I, I think that Missouri- defense was improved. I think it's hard to gauge against a team like um, Missouri. And uh, I mean, Missouri's not terrible on offense, but they are the worst offense that Florida has played so far. So, I, you know, do with that what you will, essentially. Um, but I was impressed with the improvement, and and there was a lot of room to improve. I mean, there's still room to improve, but um, you know, and uh, but when you don't practice for 14 days, I mean, they weren't even allowed in the facility for 14 days. They ended up quarantining every single person that um, traveled to Texas. So uh, you know, I was happy with the performance given the, the time off. Right. I, I just think that's a tricky situation to be in. Florida is healthier than they have been all season. And that is a, a positive of what had happened before. So, I mean, of the quarantine, so that's good. Um, this week is another weird week in terms of scheduling for Florida, which this was something else that Dan Mullen wasn't pumped about. Um, I forgot about this too. They yeah. have n- no sec teams are allowed to practice today or have no meetings in- or have in- anything. Right. NCAA. Uh, NCAA. Okay. Oh, all right. So nobody is allowed to do anything football related today. Dan Mullen was kind of opposed to this because he's essentially saying multiple things. One, most of these players, if they're registered to vote, are registered to vote in their home counties. So they've they've probably done absentee ballot or they've already voted. Or he was saying if they're registered in Alachua, we could have done a team activity to go to vote. But then we need to be able to to, to practice we to have you know w- this messes up game week again and when Florida already missed 14 days it's hard your biggest game of the season truly you have a messed up schedule again and I get what the NCAA is trying to do I just don't know that I think it was particularly well thought out um I don't know I don't know if you have a different take on that being uh well thought I out I just that I don't know I think that Dan Mullen is, again, not necessarily wrong here. And I completely understand Dan Mullen understand knowing the urgency uh, for this game and knowing that he has to win this game. This uh-huh. cannot just be another Georgia loss. Uh-huh. And wanting every bit of time practice and, and preparation normalcy. and all that time. And part of it's just routine. It. You know, they... Yeah, so I, I completely get that from Mullen's side, but when you come out and say it, it sounds like you're saying you're putting the priority there, which he's a college football coach that gets paid millions of dollars to coach football. He should be putting the priority. Like sure. I get it. And he's completely right that they probably are registered or they could have early voted. Well, or they could have, and- you know, like, so yes, he's right. But it just doesn't. It just comes across. It comes across well, like he, and you couple it with the other with stuff. The I see people that are like, "See, Mullen's yeah. trying to suppress the vote." I just here's the thing: Florida has done a lot of things behind closed doors this off season to really try and help their players work through the social issues that are going on right now, support them in their stances on it. They have brought in. Uh, members of the community to talk to the team. They have brought in police officers to talk to the team. They have invited members of the team to share their own personal stories with some of the, the you know, the social just injustice issues that are going on with the team. Um, they made a big push to get to make sure that their p- players were registered to vote and, and will Dan Mullen led the March when the team, you know, participated in a black lives matter March. I think that behind closed doors, Dan Mullen does all the right things. And I think that he cares that his players are involved in, in the big things going on in their communities. 
I just think he also thinks it shouldn't be an either or. You don't need the whole day to vote. Tell us we can't practice until this time or tell us we can't practice until we've taken our team to vote. You or know, after or, the polls or, or are closed, make it a right, night practice. Whatever, sure. And they, I mean, they do have so, night practices sometimes. And in the swamp, sometimes that's even better. You know, close po- polls close at seven. Great. You better be on that practice field at 701. We'll practice for two hours and it's fine. But it does throw off their, their game schedule. I don't know what. I'd have to look into what Mullen does. I know um, Meyer used to like to practice on Sunday and give the team Mondays off. That way they could kind of start the week, get their schoolwork under control before they moved into it. I'm pretty sure Mullen likes to give them Sundays off, but I'd have to check to guarantee that. But whatever it is, whatever day they normally have off, they won't have off this week. It will throw off what they do in their routine. Is it the end of the world? No. But is it a pain in the neck, your biggest game of the year? Yeah. Well, fortunately for him, it it does affect everyone else too. Sure, right? like so, it's not for just sure. him. So again, because it affects, it's not just a Florida rule. It's not even Correct. like you said. Just well, so it's so it's it it sounds he's right. Do people this need to understand? He was asked about it. He it's not like he got up there and was like, "All right, guys, before we get into this, let me talk about what's irking me today." He was asked and, his thoughts and on him it. and and what is and and this is it would have been a great opportunity for him to just practice what we all hate and give some Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Well, yeah. Say, but we you know can't, what? it's I mean, really, it's really important to... that. Our... Yes, you do. You don't want, yes, you do not want, we and all these speak, but then we, when yes, we don't get coach speak, we, we're pissed. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my coach right now has a whole lot of other issues to deal with, but he's not in the middle of the national media. Every move he makes now, because he says something dumb all the time. Like he totally should have just said, yeah, man, it's really important that our guys vote and I'm excited to get that done. And we practice on Sunday instead of, you know, we did walk through on Sunday and we're going to practice Monday instead, you know, like just, just say that and move on. Like don't, cause here's the thing. When you lose to Texas A&M and you complain about the crowd noise, you sound whiny. When you complain about the NCAA making a rule that affects 130 programs, because you can't practice that day on the week of your big, if they were playing Vandy this week, you wouldn't care at all. Right. Like, but you just sound whiny, right? Like, so I'd rather coach speak than my coach sound like whiny. Like it doesn't bother me that Dan Mullen said it. I just, you know, you could handle it a different way. He's not wrong about it. I mean, he's not, you know, but you still, you know, if, if you had a caveat that all players early voted, or signed a waiver saying they weren't voting. Could you have sent that to the NCAA and then played? Like maybe the NCAA should have done that. I don't know. But like he's not wrong. He just sounds right. whiny. But yeah. So the actual game is happening too, as crazy as that right? is. Um, Georgia doesn't really look great either. I thought they actually played the Alabama game really well. And I know the score wasn't quite indicative of that. Hey, the first um, half was, was great for them. Yeah. They, they played that game well and then just kind of fell apart. I mean, they started the. It's not even second, that they fell I mean, apart. Is that uh, Alabama is Alabama better coach and has players. even better athletes? That's uh, they, yeah. you know. And Alabama's probably the best team in the country. I sure. know they're ranked number two right now, but you know they they were down four with nineteen minutes to go and had Alabama backed up right on their own ten yard line and Mac Jones threw up a ninety yard pass to Jalen Waddle right like in. Jalen Waddle is probably my favorite player in college football, so it sucks to see him go out and get hurt for the rest of the year. But uh, before that, man, they, I mean, they had a four point lead with 19 minutes to go, and then Alabama scored late to make it a little farther than it than it was. So um, I thought Georgia played that really well. Georgia just got to figure something out on offense. I mean, they're not scoring enough, and I think that if there's any recipe for figuring out offense, it's playing a, a, a defense like Florida's, you know, or Florida State's teams that aren't very strong there. All right, let's not um, put our defenses in the same category. Florida's defense is not great. They are not Florida State's defense. I mean, I think they're both pretty bad. I think they're both in the bottom 50 of the country. I don't in think fact, I could before, it roll before, my is harder. They would fall out of my head right now. 
<laughs> I'm excited for this game fine. on Saturday. Um, I, we also have a birthday party going on at the exact same, same time, which will be kind of fun. With a petting zoo? Fun. With a petting zoo, <laughs> yes. What's to eat? What's to eat? This um, is really what's important. Okay, Hopefully so not I'm, doing, petting zoo. I'm doing a chili bar, but then my baby's favorite food is Chick-fil-A nuggets and mac and cheese. So we're getting Chick-fil-A platters and mac and cheese platters from, from Chick-fil-A. Very good. My... Uh, well, some of our personal faves, and then we'll have like snacks and stuff like that. There's going to be a dessert bar and uh, lots of good stuff. So it should be fun. But on the TVs, of course, will be Florida, Georgia. Georgia left Lexington with a lot of injuries, um, which is, you know, good timing for Florida. Obviously, terrible timing for Georgia. Um all defensive players, which is interesting as as well, because obviously that's where Georgia has a great defense, um, and that's where Florida's going to need some help. They lost Jordan Davis. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, Julian Ro- uh, Rochester, another defensive tackle. Quay Walker, linebacker. DJ Daniels and Lewis Kine, who are both DBs, um, are, are out as well. We haven't heard um, whether or not they will be back, but – I believe at this point they're thinking that they will have none of those people back, which helps Florida. We're, you know, we're talking right there about five starters. Um, I, I honestly feel a little bit more confident going into this week than I felt last week. I'm not sure if that's because I didn't like the way that Georgia looked against Kentucky or if because it's game week and I just always, you know, convince myself, hype myself up that my team's going to get the job done, even if they're not. Um, but I think that this is the best position Florida's been in since Dan Mullen came to uh, UF. And I do kind of think it's do or die for him. It's not like he's getting fired if they don't win this game. But as we've said a million times, he's kind of uh, coming to this precipice where uh, he's either going to show himself to be an Urban Meyer or a Kirby Smart. And, or no, excuse me, not Kirby Smart, um, Mark Richt, excuse me. Um, you know, Mark Richt, great guy consistently won 10 games a year every once in a while pulled one off against Florida but I think maybe once he did that maybe twice I don't know um or you're an Urban Meyer and you come in and you you consistently beat all your um teams that we would consider uh you know rivals and I think Florida considers Georgia a rival for sure especially after the last three years I think that for Georgia they actually don't really care what happens past beating Florida and they're so tickled that the last three years they've finally gotten what they've wanted for you know the 26 prior to um but I think Florida has a pretty good chance I think they have a shot it'll be very interesting to see how Florida is able, or if they're able to slow down Georgia's running game. Georgia only scored 14 last weekend, uh, but it was real. I don't know if you watched it. I kind of watched some of the replays and highlights. Uh, Georgia only got three possessions in the first half, um, scored seven points on those, and it looked decent. Um, scored on their very first drive of the game. Second drive went for 30 yards and ended up having a punt. Third drive, they drove the ball all the way down 65 yards and threw a pick. So they moved the ball well on Kentucky in the first half. Uh, they actually did get the ball back with 20 seconds to go and, and missed a field goal. Um, but as far as real drives, they only got the ball three times in the first half. Um, started the second half out really, really good as well. Seven plays, 75 yards. Um back-to-back turnovers by both teams. And then Georgia got the ball um, on their own 10-yard line, drove down 40 yards, and by that point they got one more possession it was over. So they, outside of the interception, um, they they got three drives in the first half and four in the second half. So they really just didn't get the ball very much. Um, You know, Florida gets like seven possessions a half, you know. So it'll be very interesting to see what the conflicting styles look like. Uh, At the same time, Kentucky kind of the same thing really long drives and they just couldn't finish. Like they had a eight play, 28 yard, five and a half minute drive, right? In the second half, um, they had a 19 play, 10 minute drive in the first half that resulted in a field goal. So uh, really slow moving game. I think that the style that Florida plays will, if Florida moves the ball well, and is clicking on offense, they'll, well, clearly. 
So if I, Florida, if it's it's whose pace it's played at, you know, if if Georgia is able to limit possessions, I think it's going to be you know Florida's got to score nearly every time they have it. Right. I think Georgia will play uh, to run the ball. Texas A&M had a lot, a lot of success running the ball. Missouri is not a good running team, and they looked terrible in doing that. Georgia's probably the has the best running game in the in the conference, right? So. I think that Georgia will try to exploit that, try and slow the game down, and try and rely on Bennett to make those couple of throws like they needed last year out of uh, Fromm, right? Just make a couple of throws in some key situations, and if those are completed, Georgia's offense will be fine. I feel like this game, and Georgia hasn't been scoring a lot, but I think if either team gets to 31, they win this game. Um, Obviously, if the score is 34-31, that's – you know, they both did it. But I think that the first team of 31 ends up winning this game. And it it might be 28. And I think you got like your odds if you're a Florida there, right? Like 28 points. I mean, they should be able to do that in most situations. Right. Obviously, Georgia's defense, even with all the injuries, is going to be much better than well, which speaking anyone else as they've played on. Stumbled up. on that they're actually missing a sixth player, sixth starter for Saturday. Richard LeCount the third was in a motorcycle accident after the game, which my assumption is it's probably actually a scooter. That's generally what most of the football players drive around. Anyway, though, he will miss uh the game as well so they will be missing six either they either are starters or or major contributors on defense which i mean that's a lot but um their defense is still incredibly incredibly good i think it's interesting you've looked to the running game because i kind of think that whoever can establish the running game out of the two teams wins florida has not been great at um, establishing the run. They're not bad. I think they just, you know, they are a pass happy team, but I kind of think that they are going to need to control the pace. And sometimes that may, may mean scoring frantically and fast. I think sometimes that may be stretching things a little bit. And we know that we stretch things by establishing a solid running game. So, uh, you know, it will be interesting to flo- see if Florida can do that. Um, having a, de- a depleted uh, defense for Georgia can help that a little bit, but uh, you know, I will look to special teams too. Um, Georgia's field goal kicker. I believe they attempted one on Saturday and it was blocked. Um, Florida was missing Evan McPherson last week and they didn't tell us why. So I don't know if he was one of the people that had tested positive or if there's just some other unrelated injury, but they didn't tell us. And we don't know if he's going to be back for Saturday, but he's one of the very best kickers in the entire country. So not having him definitely puts Florida in a predicament. The guy that they had fill in for him did, did well, but that's not the same as having somebody that, you know, can consistently hit, you know, 55 yard field goals um, at your disposal. And that may make you play the game differently if he's not available. Uh, you know, at Mullen, it, I think that it, it's the offense gets a lot easier when you know for a fact you can count on your kicker. Neither one of these teams potentially are in a position to be able to say that on Saturday. Um, so I don't know. That'll be something to watch as well. But and big plays like I, I mean, I guess there's been more pick sixes than any other year, but I feel like in general, I haven't. I don't know. I just feel like there haven't been that many big, big plays for Florida that I've seen this year. So I'm I'm ready for some big plays. Well, I wish I had the stat in front of me, and I don't know what it was um, before. Well, I don't know what it would have been after the Missouri game, and I really can't think of, back about it. Florida doesn't – I mean, Florida's just not a big play team, right? Like, you know, their big plays are because like a freak athlete like Tony – like break seven tackles and yeah yeah like they're you know they're not i mean i've i've kind of repeatedly said this this is not a super big dig you you don't have to jump to his defense i'm trying to lay this blow as solid as i can like trask is not a light you up down the field kind of guy right like he is a get the ball to the playmakers on less than 10 yards like i don't know i don't say this number he is a like 80 percent of his passes have come less than 10 yards and so, like that, the mo of Florida's offense is not to absolutely just kill you deep. Like it's the ball to the your ball playmakers. Get the ball to the playmakers in space. Whether it's a drop off, a swing pass, a screen, uh, a slant that somebody freakishly athletic like Tony. Like think about Tony's touchdowns. That you know they weren't like long bombs down the field. Um, right. And so, yeah, I think that that's 
that's the nature of Florida's game. You know, think about the passes to Pitts. You know, Pitts isn't like blowing by guys. Like he's just catching 10, I mean, 12 yard out routes I, and I think and breaking the tackle and getting like 15 yards, you know, like that's and that's there's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that's I mean, just he's not got, the, he's he's got the fourth best QB rating of any QB in college football right now. I, I yes, think, this is not a slam. I, this is not no, to say know, that Trask I know, is but I don't bad. think it's as uh, well. He's not bad, but I don't think it's as easy to make it seem as though he's a game manager, though either, because some of the things this that the stats that he is accomplishing this season are something that no quarterback in the SEC has accomplished. Period. Whether it be Joe Burrow or you know Tim Tebow, Danny Warfel. I mean, there's been some uh, Peyton Manning. There's been some big names that have played quarterback in the SEC. Um, last week they said Trask set the like it's a it's a new SEC record four TDs four games in a row. Um, no other SEC quarterback has ever done that. I looked up Joe Burrow's first four games last year. And I don't remember, I think one was Georgia Southern. One was Vanderbilt. One was like the sisters of the blind. And then one was like Missouri or Arkansas or something. I mean, schools that in my opinion is easier than the four teams that Florida has played so far. So I, I mean, there's I mean, Burke was there. at halftime. Bro was out at halftime of three of those games. So, I mean, if, you know, Florida's defense just, is probably my helped. point is Florida's defense. Florida's defense. Not, Florida's, I, and again, I knew you were going to take it as a, as a slam. No, it's not, not, I'm not taking it as just slam. not. I'm just, it's not as easy as are, saying he's a game manager it. either. I'm not saying he's a game manager. He's very good at the short to intermediate passing game. He's not great deep. Like that's just his way. Mullen knows that. I mean, ask Mullen right oh, now. I mean, he'll yeah. probably I mean, give you a whiny. He'll probably give you a whiny answer about COVID. But like Mullen's going to agree with you. There's a reason they don't stretch the field with him. Like right. he's really, really good at the short to intermediate game. And when you've got freak athletes, why wouldn't you do that? You know. So again, Burrow was. I saw that stat. Burrow was out at halftime a lot of those games. So if Florida's defense wasn't as crap as it was. You know, Trask so, wouldn't have those stats either. But. Long, yeah, 36, 39, 57, 71 are his longest of the four games he's played. I would assume that at least some of those are something that was, you know, a kind of a dump pass that just got, you know, taken to Who the was the 71 to? Um, it doesn't tell me in this thing that I'm looking at, but um, I mean, he's his passer completions are in the 70 percentile every game. I mean, I feel like that's pretty impressive. Um, he, yeah, none of this is, yeah, none of this is saying again, none of this is saying he's bad. Yeah. My thought is that they use him properly. Sure. They use him in the short and intermediate game. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, the same, the same way that every quarterback should be used that way. Like he's not targeting stuff super far down the field. It's all kind of get the ball to the playmakers and let them roll, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, what about, uh, so you like Florida to win, obviously, like you said, it's probably, you know, the Homer in you for sure. Um, but F- Florida wins this game. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they do. I think, um, I think it's probably close. I think Florida, I think Florida gets the monkey off their back. Um, I am not sure. I think that I think you're right about the fact that if there was ever a year to do it, it would be this year. And that has a hundred percent to do with the fact that I don't trust Bennett. Um, I just don't, I don't think he's very good. Um, I think he's just average. And I think that for years they have, um, Georgia has relied on a quarterback that could make the throws when sure. needed. And I, I don't know that I trust it. Like Fromm was never great. Um, he played Florida. but <laughs> made well, him look all world. Yeah. I mean, he made those couple of throws a game, but they relied heavily on the running game. Their defense has always kind of shut Florida down. And so it'll be really interesting to see. I think that with the injuries and everything else that's going on, you know, Florida's got a good of a chance now as ever. I will say, even with all the injuries, the line hasn't moved super far one way or the other. So, yeah, which is interesting. you know, you know I, I don't know. You would think, you know, what is it? You said six starters out. You would think with six starters out that, you know, the, that line Starters might move a little bit farther. But yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, Vegas is saying that's not really that big of a deal. They like Georgia in a close game. You know, I I don't know. I, I think that it could certainly go either way, but I'm a big believer in, you know, if it, if it doesn't, uh, until you see it, like, you know, I'm not going to believe that it's going to happen. I will ask this though, like what separates, um, like if, if Mullen loses this, is he, uh, UF Mark Richt? And we kind of mentioned that, but like, is that, is that just who he is until proven otherwise? Uh, yes. yes. Really, uh, really yeah. good above average coach. So, uh, I mean, I think that until Dan Mullen beats Georgia, you're right. He is Mark Richt. I don't know how you look at it any other way. Mark Richt every once in a while pulled out a win against Florida. I'd have to look it up. I want to say he did it maybe twice. Um, he every once in a while got to the SEC championship game, never got beyond that. So he was a really, really good coach. Eventually it wasn't good enough for Georgia. If Mullen can't get it done against Georgia consistently, eventually it's going to not be good enough for Florida fans too. Um, I think Mullen is a better coach than Mark Richt is. Um, but honestly, until he proves it, I I don't know what else you go on. Yeah. I just, you got to go with, with the records. Dan Mullen wins pretty much every game he should win. He has struggled to get across that hurdle for the games that are toss up games, you know, securing the the win for, for the Gators. I think this is the day he does I said this a few weeks ago and you did not like that. I said he wins the games he's supposed to. I know uh, I didn't like it. I'll just you, but now and now you're so but, I just want to point this out. So it looks like Georgia won. Georgia won under Rick in 2004, 2007, 11, 12, and 13. Um, Was he the coach in, in? In wait, they won it. Oh, they won three years in a row: 11, 12, and 13. Yeah. 11, they won 24 to 20, 12, they won 17 to nine. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I'm pretty sure going into this three game stretch, Florida was like 26 of tw- had won 26 of the last 20, 21 of the last 26, I think. So that kind of makes sense with those numbers. I think it would have to be 21 of the last 27. Okay. But I'm not counting all the losses. I just see one, two, I see six losses since or six Georgia wins since 97 minus this last three, but really, you know, as much as, you know, I mean, it's been a, obviously when you go way back, I mean, Georgia has more wins, but really over the last, you know, it's gone three, 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 and three. So over the last 12, it's six and six. Yeah. And then before that it's two and two. So like the last 16 are eight and eight. Now, obviously when you go back to 2003 and before, Sure. Almost really the the pre I mean Mark Richt was there for the f- first two of those but really the pre Richt era obviously the the Spurrier years you know we're he doing, absolutely dominated yeah. I but mean, once you get outside of the Spurrier years it's, urban it's years eight were eight. pretty urban years were pretty dominant two thousand and four would have been Urban's yeah. first year um, but I don't think he lost to Georgia outside of that first year what are the- he also lost in two thousand seven okay. so the urban years would have been two and one, two, three, four, five. So they, they went two and or Florida went five and two those years. But like I said, over the last, you know, well, Hey, there's a reason it's a rivalry, right? I mean, yeah, post barrier, it's very, very even. So Florida fans, Florida fans want to do this game. They want to say, well, you can't count the games that were way, way back. Cause those are irrelevant. You know, like, I mean, overall, Georgia has the rivalry, right? Like they do. In, re- in more modern, recent history, Florida, Florida has it. But then when you when you apply that logic the other way to the Florida State rivalry and the Florida State fans say, well, you can't count the games when we first started playing football because we weren't like a real team. If you just count the last, you know, however many, we lead the series. Well, I mean, so, the rivalry is the rivalry. Florida holds, right. Florida has it against Florida State and Georgia has it against Florida, right? So like, the overall course, record- say the last, is 53-43 and 2 Georgia holding it. For some reason I and I'm not even going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure there's like one or two games that are in dispute. Florida says it's slightly different than Georgia, but this is what Google says. 53-43 and 2. The largest victory ever goes to Georgia, 75 to nothing in 1942. Georgia has the current win streak, obviously, at three. The longest win streak, Florida at seven in a row from 90 to 96, and then Georgia at seven from 41 to 48. 
Okay. Um, oh, this is what it is. Florida says they've played 97 times total. Georgia says they've played uh, 98 times total. So there's a little uh, what dispute is that there. Extra game? Now, what is that extra game? What do you mean? Like where, what happened in that game where one. I don't know. Like I don't know which, a- who says that they didn't play, but Georgia says that they've played 98 times. Florida says they've played 97 times. So we're coming up, you know, pretty soon here on the hundredth anniversary. I don't know. I don't does Georgia honor it one year and then we honor it the year after. I, I don't know. Um, That's an interesting one. Oh, it, it looks like, okay. So George, it, it was one of like Florida's predecessor schools, right? Like okay. the, the very Florida's, first time they met or whatever was right. Florida, the Florida and, Agricultural uh, yeah. College. Yeah. Which became UF. So I mean, okay. I, if Florida would have won that game, I mean, obviously they, they probably count it, it, right? You know, so like it, the game happened. It's not like sure. they got confused on whether or not the game happened or not, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but um, yeah, I was kind of interested on that. So, you know, so, la- so last year scores 24 17, which obviously is a huge improvement over the year before that. Um, but uh, Florida's got to win this. This isn't, it's, what did you tell me? The spread's four points? Four, four and a half. Yeah, somewhere okay. in there. I guess Um, I've got it here in front of me. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's probably a fair assessment there. Right. I mean, you can't, I don't, when you've got a team ranked as high as Georgia and they've won the last three years, I think it would be pretty darn hard to, you know, do it and do a spread in, in Florida's favor. So I would say four and a half is pretty, uh, pretty fair. It's going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. I think that, um, even with the injuries, I mean, Georgia's roster still has more talent on it. It does. You know, They've obviously Florida has the, the Florida has the coaching edge, but Georgia, both teams have looked really, really good at times. Both teams haven't looked so good at times this year. Um, Florida's offense has con- pretty consistently looked good. Florida, Georgia's defense has pretty consistently looked good. Um, both of the other sides have looked pretty shaky, but I, I think Georgia has probably, you know, looked better at Georgia's, you know, probably looks slightly better yeah. in their downtimes than Florida has, but not like by uh, no. far. Also F- Florida, Florida lost to an A&M team that they were supposed to beat, and Georgia lost to a Bama team that they were supposed to lose to. So like, sure. I think you know, if you look at the way fact. that Georgia has the games that Georgia has looked the best in, they look better than the games that Florida has looked their best in. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but that's, I don't know. And I think that Georgia's worst is clearly not as, not as bad as Florida's worst this year, given exactly what you just said. They lost to an Alabama team. They were supposed to Florida walks to a Texas A&M team. They were supposed to beat. Um, but I would say that this is the most, even that they have been since Dan Mullen has started coaching at Florida. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think last year they were pretty even too, right? Like I think that last year both teams – like I really thought that Florida went into that game with a chance. I may have even picked UF and when, when we did like our weekly pick them on the big three roll-up, but um, I just can't remember. Like I, I kind of thought that this would be the year because Florida's offense did look good and um, they were playing well at that point. And then I remember you know texting you during that game and – the score was a little misleading. They only lost by a touchdown, but they kind of scored late to make that happen. I, they never looked like they had a chance last year just because they, they weren't really able to move the ball with any consistency. So uh, I don't know. I Again, it, it kind of needs to be the year that it happens. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, next year it gets really dicey because you, you've got to assume that Georgia upgrades the quarterback position you know, between now and next year whether that's through a transfer or somebody coming in or just somebody, you know, Bennett being better, like this is the year to do it. Like this is the year to get Georgia. I mean, they're going to reload and Florida is going to improve as well. Um, but, you know, they really need to kind of get it done this year. Cause you don't want to go into next year saying like, okay, well, if Mullen goes 0 five against them, like now what do we do? You know, like, and I think that's a, you know, I don't know if, if Mullen goes 11 and one next year and loses to Georgia, then, it, you know, that, that doesn't really matter. But, what if he goes 0 5 to Georgia, right? Like, and so, like, you can't get to that point where we're having that conversation, right? Yeah. Um, going 0 5 Georgia is is not going to be good. But if you win this weekend, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, f- we'll go quick through the rest of this. Florida State, 
did not lose to the bye week this time like they did last time. Um, no major COVID outbreaks. Coach didn't get COVID, um, so things look good there. Florida State's a two-point favorite um, against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had a safety opt-out this week, and uh, their starting quarterback is out as well. Uh, again, not really the transitive property, just tra- kind of looking at how bad they were. As bad as Florida State was against Louisville last week, um, Notre Dame beat Pitt 45-3. to uh, this is the game that I have the most confident that Florida State wins the rest of the way uh, until the Duke game. And I'm not saying that I'm guaranteeing a win, uh, but I've got more confidence that they win this one than anything else. Uh, I think FSU wins this game. I, I mean, it won't shock me if they come out and lay an egg and, and lose, but Pitt is really, really bad too. And I base more of my thoughts on that, you know, to only be able to put up three points at home against Notre Dame having your starting quarterback out Florida state's had the bye week to kind of hopefully prepare two weeks to win this game. I, I think that Florida state could, could, and you know, Vegas thinks they win the game too. slight margins, not great, but um, I think FSU wins. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if FSU doesn't win, it makes it real hard for <laughs> you to pull out, uh, you know, five or six victories on the year, but I think they win. I, I was in no way impressed with Pittsburgh against Notre Dame. I was impressed with Florida state. So, uh, two weeks ago, you know, I think, uh, I think they win. I think you're happy on Saturday. I hope so. Um, I think they win. And I said this before the Louisville game, if they could split with Louisville, I think they could get to, you know, five or six wins. If they lose both, I think they could at most get to four and, it might just be three. Like it might just be beating that Duke team at the end of the year, which, you know, that's not a foregone conclusion, but a game that I think they can win. Um, you know, every other game on the schedule at this point is winnable minus Clemson. Uh, but every game on the schedule is losable, right? Like Florida state is going to play Pitt without their starting quarterback. And then next week they're going to play NC state without their starting quarterback. Um, and they're not a very good team either. They play Miami this weekend. It'll be kind of interesting to see how that game goes. Uh, then they lose to Clemson, and then they play Virginia. ESPN gives Florida State like a 45% chance to win that game, and then they go on the road to Duke, who has two wins, one of those wins being against Charlotte. Um, so Duke's really not very good. None of these ACT, ACC teams at the bottom are very good, and so Florida State could win any of them. They could go 6-5. and five. They probably won't. I think that I'll kind of stick with five wins if they win this weekend, um, but they could win any of them, and so – they the schedule sets up well in the second half of the year. They don't play a lot of prolific offenses. They get two teams without their starting quarterback back to back weeks. It's got to be a help somewhat against a team, a defense that's not very good, a defense that it's even worse than Florida's, if you can believe that. Um, so, yeah, I mean they they need to find a way to win, um, and I think they'll get it done this week. But I mean, nothing will shock me with this FSU team. Uh, so here's what gets interesting: the playoff picture which we do this every week and then we end up saying like oh it'll come together it'll figure itself out for and sure it always but does i still think that always does it's getting more interesting there are less games for it to figure sure. itself out sure. this year um i'll tell you i mean cincinnati's hanging around they're six and oh sitting at number six in in the country um Basically, if I, in my opinion, if they, I mean, they could slip up somewhere. If they beat UCF, though, like I, I think that they're in. Like I, I don't think another team is going to beat them this year. You also look at Texas A and M. They've got South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn. None of those teams are any good. You know, uh, you know, could any given Saturday any of those teams beat them? Yes. Uh, you know, do you? I mean, but I'm not picking any of those teams to beat no, them. Me LSU I is think the most likely would be fire. Auburn, but Auburn um, at the very end of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm that, not even saying that is likely. I just think it's the most likely out of the lineup. Yeah. And so A&M throws a wrench into it. You've got Alabama that kind of controls their own destiny just as much as anybody else, obviously in the country, they, they're not going to lose another game. So you've got any game, let's say Alabama, Alabama, the winner of Florida, Georgia, Mm-hmm. Uh, and A&M all going into the SEC championship weekend with one loss. Um, well, Alabama probably zero losses, but it's right. going to kind of create an interesting dynamic there if you end up with three well, one-loss because teams. Because what we talked about with- last week, Texas A&M can backdoor it 
in into the playoffs. You know, they don't is if everything if Alabama wins out, AM doesn't go to the SEC championship game, which may be to their advantage, right? Because their loss happened so long ago. It will be to a team that like let's say Alabama wins the SEC championship game. There's a scenario even if they don't win, honestly, but there's a scenario where AM just backdoors their way into the playoffs. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if they want a team backdooring their way in, if they take an undefeated Cincinnati, how does Oregon figure into this? If they go seven and zero and they win their championship and go eight and zero, how does Ohio state figure in? Well, Obviously we assume Ohio that they state win, they win out. Is, is interesting too, because, okay, so oh, we won't spend much time talking about this, but Wisconsin is, is not playing again this week because of, um, COVID outbreak. So this will be their second game that's canceled that won't be being made up. I think that the way that the Big Ten rule is set up, and like we've said 87 million times, I don't think that they actually wanted this season to happen. I think they just wanted to pacify their fans. If you get one positive on your team, I bet it's pretty unlikely you don't get 5% positive of your team population, just in the way that we know that COVID works, right? So if that happens, you're missing three weeks of games. If you get to above 5% positive for your roster, which if we're talking about a hundred person roster, you're literally talking about five players um, and your games don't get made up. I think there's a possibility Ohio state doesn't have a full resume for us to look at, which I think also complicates things. Yeah. And it'll be very interesting to see how the committee factors that in and figures yeah. that out. Right. Like, If if Ohio State looks like a great team, and they obviously have you know top five talent in the country, top four maybe is a better way to say it, but they miss two games, right? Do I mean do you still put them in? I mean I think I do. I think if I'm voting and I'm looking at if I know if if I know that they have won every game they were supposed to and looked good doing it. I'm putting them in. Like I, I'm just, I'm putting them in over a Texas A&M team. I would need to know how many games are missed. They miss one game. We can talk about it. Three games. I don't know. That's hard for me to wrap my head around. And the other thing that I feel like you got to consider too, if you're the playoff committee, and I mean, I don't know how much they will take this into account though. These rules for these conferences aren't going to change going into the playoffs, right? So what happens if you put in a big 10 team that already missed three games and they get 5% positive during the playoffs, then what? Well, they don't really answer the Big Ten anymore, though, at that point. Can the Big I Ten tell Ohio? Like, if, if Ohio State gets in, I don't think they answer the Big Ten at that point. Like, I, I think they can just – it's no know. longer the Big Ten that – it's no longer the Big Ten that they're competing within. They're competing – I understand, in, but they – In the NCAA. Like, the NCAA would have to have a, a rule slash – I would – I don't know, but I would be interested to know the answer to that if I was on this committee, and that would factor into my decision. Because am I putting in a team and there's a risk that these games don't even happen because of their conference structuring things so differently than every other conference? Yeah, see, I don't, I think I the conference mandates would apply. Yeah, I think the conference mandates would would go away because so, they're not the ones that they're not the ones that like or not. I'm gonna like figure out who I can reach out to to get clarification on that because it's not something I've ever thought about till like literally this moment. But well, as a it Florida would be thing, interesting. You don't really have to much, you know. So <laughs> well, I don't play in the Big Ten, so no, I don't have to think about it. But. I just meant what the playoffs are. I know what I you meant. <laughs> um, so it'll be know. it'll be very, but again, I, I yeah, I just think it it'll be the playoff committee slash NCAA that'll kind of make those mandates. It's my guess for whoever you reach out to and ask when you reach out to the you know powers that be and you ask Chris Fowler what's up. Um, all right, let's go through some picks so I can get out of here and I get yelled at. Um, you had a good week last week, much better than me. Um, Cincinnati, six and a half over Memphis. Both of us hit that. LSU or Auburn, plus three and a half over LSU. Both of us hit that. We both missed Louisville, plus three and a half. They kept it close, only lost by a touchdown, but neither of us get that one right. Uh, you took Texas. I took Oklahoma State. That game went to overtime. It was really, really fun, but I missed it. You hit it. Um, we both missed Ohio State. Penn State ended up covering the spread there. Um you hit Florida over Missouri uh, at 15 and a half, and then we both missed UNC. So you went for 
and three. I went two and five for this season. You are 21 out of 52, and I am 24 out of 52. So we'll try and do better this week with these games. You're cutting it close, though. You're only down three now. I had a chance to go over 500 and blew it. I had a bad week. So um, Clemson, minus five and a half at Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. This is hard because Clemson did not look good first half. Uh, but I don't think Notre Dame's good, so I'll take Clemson. Uh, I like Notre Dame here. I mean, I could certainly see the scenario where Clemson does, you know, win by five and a half, wins by a touchdown or, or more. But, yeah, I, I home team getting five and a half and Clemson having to play without their best player, I'll, I'll take that. It feels like kind of like a gift. Um, Florida State minus two against Pittsburgh. You said they win. Do they win by two? Yep, I'll take Florida State. Um, Miami is a 10-point favorite at NC State on a Friday night. Weird things happen in Raleigh on Friday nights. What do you uh, What do you think? Uh, I'm going to take NC State. What are you going to do? I have Miami here. So somebody's going to be wrong on that one. Um, Oregon, the Pac-12 is back, is an 11-point favorite against Stanford. Uh, give me Oregon. I like Oregon as well. Um, the Fighting Jimbos are a seven and a half point favorite at South Carolina. I like Texas A&M here. Um, wait, say that again. What's the spread? Seven and a half point favorites for Texas A&M at South Carolina. Um, give me Texas A&M. Um, I like Georgia to cover the spread in the cocktail party. I assume you like Florida to cover the spread. I do. Um, and then in the most important game of the weekend, Liberty opened up as a 19-point underdog at Virginia Tech. It has moved to 14.5 points. Uh, I do not think we win this game. I think we take our first loss of the year. Uh, but for the next three, four days, I will live knowing that um, my alma mater has not lost a game, and I hey. will enjoy that. So, I, But I like Liberty to, win, to cover the spread. Give me Liberty or give me death. <laughs> a very fitting election day uh, statement and that'll yes. probably be the title um of the episode so <laughs> um i have i literally have no words for anything after this and i'm so upset that you said it and not me so anything <laughs> else before we get out of here i think that's about it all right we'll be back next week and we'll do it again and probably recap all the bad picks that we made so other than that have a great rest of your uh, week Go Knowles. <laughs>